0: Yes, welcome back to How Did I Get Here and today. This the isn't just one person. Uh, we're talking to a whole band today. Today I am chatting to massive. And one of the most exciting bands on the Oz music scene right now, Ash from Dulcie joins me on the show today. Do- Ash, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We'll jump right into the start of Dulcie. How did you all meet?
1: Sass and Meeks grew up together in Denmark and moved up to Perth in 2018 or oh, no maybe it was 2017 yeah and then we all met at Waffa together so we all did a music artist course there for a year and decided just to start playing gigs and guess one thing led to another and we're still playing music so yeah it's been really fun.
0: Hmm. It's pretty interesting you know meeting as students you know how, how would you describe yourselves as students?
1: I think that when we all first met, it was just like instant connection because right, yeah. our, whole, like, our whole year group was kind of pretty fresh out of school and it was just meeting so many like-minded people who were into songwriting and music. So it was just, yeah, super, super easy friendships to make at the very beginning. So it was lots of fun being in classes together.
0: Mm. Of course, here at Student Edge, we love to hear about people's student lives. Uh, do you have a favourite sub- school subject that you did while you were a student?
1: Oh, I did drama. I did a lot of the kind of art subjects in school. I never did music in school. I did, Run. I was really into like choir and stuff. I was the choir kid, but I I loved drama in school. I did that for like year 12, year 11 and 12, ATAR. Um, but yeah, I think that the I've always been drawn to the kind of creative subjects.
0: And as the other side of the coin, you know, did you have a least favourite?
1: Oh, I tried to do human bio, and I did not get very <laughs> far in that. There was too many things to remember.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so, for, for you, when did music first enter your life? You know, you mentioned you didn't do it at school. Uh, when did you first start exploring the world of music?
1: Um, well, my mum had a big part to play in it from the beginning because we—I was raised in a country town up north called Dampier, and there was not that many music teachers there. So my mom started teaching simply music, which is kind of like a playing-based method of piano. So she taught my sister and I, and started teaching in the town. And then I don't know I've just always been into like the school productions, or you know, my my primary school was always doing like plays or like Dampier Idol, where <laughs> everyone would get up and do like a little show. And so I feel like I've always loved it, and have just been brought up in a very encouraging environment for that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I've always been drawn yeah. to it.
0: Yeah, if you as a young person, you know, what role did it play, you know, especially in your education and your upbringing?
1: Yeah, I think that it's definitely helped like build confidence like when you're young and you're putting yourself out there and playing in front of people and especially when it's such a welcoming space, it's just, yeah, a really positive kind of introduction to music and I feel, I feel like I've had that through my whole school experience and going to WAPA it's always been really encouraging, and yeah, it's just been so fun.
0: Mm. Now, of course, you mentioned there that uh, you, you grew up in Dampier. Uh, the other two members of the band grew up down south in Denmark. Yeah. What do you think that regional upbringing? You know, how, do, how does that change you? How does that uh, mould you now as a musician?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's. I feel like I'm so grateful to be have brought up blah, to have been brought up in the country. Just I had a really great childhood and I feel like Sass and Meeks had a very similar childhood in a country town as well. And I think when you have such like a tight-knit community, it's, you kind of have that kind of family vibe to your town that people are really encouraging. And so, I don't know, I feel like it just helps you to get your foot in the door or to have that courage to pursue it. And, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question.
0: <laughs> that, that works perfect. Uh, moving on from a bit of your early life now and now to the kind of beginnings of Dulcie, where did the name come from?
1: Well, the name Dulcy is my great-grandma's name and oh. it was like around the time that we started the band, we were throwing around all these names <laughs> for bands like Band Generator, <laughs> like they were all so bad. Um, and then I was talking to my mum and she was telling me about my great-grandma whose name is Dulcy and she used to be a singer and I didn't realise that there were any other... Singers in the family, and I really loved that name. I was like, haven't heard that name, Dulcie in ages. And it just kind of stuck with me. So I put it forward to the girls as a band name, and everyone just liked it, and we just stuck with it, I guess.
0: It's always hard picking a band name. Uh, you, you got to match it to your genre and your sound. How, how do you describe your sound as a band? Pardon? How, how would you describe your sound as a band?
1: Um, I would describe our sound as harmonious. And actually we looked up Dulcie what it means, and the meaning of the name Dulcie came up, one of the things came up as sweet sounding harmony. And I was like, oh, Oh that is perfectly fitting for us being a three-piece kind of vocal group. So, yeah, I would say kind of indie pop with harmonies and quite melodic Mm and, Yeah.
0: When, you, when you're first starting out, is there any musical influences or heroes that you're trying to kind of aspire to then?
1: Oh, I definitely had like a handful that really inspired me. One being an artist called Odette, who is right, yeah. a Sydney-based singer-songwriter who just like inspired me so much kind of when I was out of school, like first going to gigs and stuff like that. And also an artist called Morgan Bain, who's known as Eli Green Eyes now, but he was one of the first gigs I ever went to out of like being freshly 18 going to a gig and I saw him play and his songwriting was so incredible and I was just like wow I would love to do that and I feel like that kind of there's like a few key artists like Maggie Rogers and nowadays it's kind of like Holly Humberstone and Olivia Rodrigo and then we all have different artists that we love and then it all kind of just blends into the one sound.
0: Uh, so you know, starting out, you're a band at Whopper, you know you're a student band, uh, you're young, it's so hard to break into the music scene, especially in Australia where there's so much going on. I know. What was that early that you know that first year of Dulcie like?
1: The first year of Dulcie was pretty crazy. We kind of we our first ever gig was this really random gig in Quinana for a youth awards, and <laughs> that was our first gig, so we kind of booked it in, got it through a friend of a friend. And then we worked really hard for that. And then not long after, a band called Great Gable, who are all friends of ours, they hadn't even heard our music and they were like, you guys can support us. And we were like, oh, my gosh, Great Gable, this is crazy. So then, yeah, we just worked really hard and wrote heaps of songs and practised heaps, which was pretty easy at the time because we are all at Whopper with lots of free time to rehearse there. Mm. Um, And then I guess once we booked in those first few gigs, it kind of just got our foot in the door and we really tried to make heaps of friendships through the music scene and connections and I guess, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there and I think in the first year we were playing like two to three gigs a week at least for a while. (laughs) It was just crazy but lots of good times.
0: I always love hearing that first gig story from musicians. Everyone's got (laughs) a completely different, completely crazy story. What was it like, you know? stepping out on stage the first first time as Dulcie at that youth awards
1: oh my goodness it was so random like just the (laughs) crowd it was like a seated audience crowd and everybody that was there was almost like grandparents and parents of the kids getting the awards and we were kind of cornered into the corner of the stage like didn't really have proper sound but (laughs) it was just a pretty funny time but no it was good I feel like it gave us You know, like, we can do this. we played one show now and it was was a lovely event. So I'm very grateful to have been able to play it. Mm. Did you learn
0: anything from that first gig? You know, did you make any changes afterwards?
1: Oh, like, I feel like if I watched the videos back from that gig, it would just be (laughs) so different to now. But... I think you're always learning like every gig you do you're always going to take something from it or change something or see what works and see what doesn't um but yeah definitely our first gig in I think our first gig that we played that wasn't like that was at Mojo's and that was like a whole different vibe because it was kind of like you know a music venue and yeah it was awesome you just kind of get that buzz for it and you're like oh I could do this all the time
0: for anyone listening who doesn't know Mojo's, is that that place in Fremantle here in WA that is kind of that iconic music venue. You know, uh, is there a venue that you've played that really sticks out for you?
1: Um, in Perth, definitely Mojo's is, mm. you know, a bit of an institution here. Yeah. And then, like, I know we always used to play Indie Bar or The Bird, mm. Mojo's, um, The Rosemount. But probably one of our craziest gigs that I just still can't believe we got to play was with Ocean Alley at the Melbourne Arena. That was just the craziest show ever. Just I never would have ever thought that we'd get to Melbourne Arena from starting mm. the band. So that was
0: <laughs> really cool. You know, speaking of that, over the years you've done some massive tours as you know, you've done headline tours, but also as the supporting act. I remember the first time I ever saw you guys was supporting G Flip at Metros, I think way really? back in twenty nineteen. yeah. <laughs> No, so do like, you have, like, a favourite act that you've I know it's got to be so hard to pick a favourite act that oh. you've supported and got to play alongside.
1: Oh, my goodness. We've been so lucky. I feel like every tour we've done has been mm. such a good time. But I feel like one of my favourite tours was was um, supporting the band King Stingray with Jess Day. Yeah. Which was pro- that was our most recent tour. So it was kind of like post-COVID times And everyone really got to know each other. And the other band, Jess Day, who was on tour as well, are like icons of ours. Like we've loved Jess Day for so long. So it was just so nice to get to know everyone. I feel like we cry laughed so much on that tour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You you make a good point there, you know, getting to be alongside icons, like a huge name like Ocean Alley and King Stingray. What's it actually like touring and getting to perform and also the behind the scenes stuff with these? huge
1: bands. Oh, it's so good. I feel like they Ocean Alley and King Stingray are so lovely. They just really made us feel mm. welcome and really looked out for us, which was so lovely. Just such down-to-earth people as well. So I feel like yeah, it's just such a bonus being able to play the shows, but it's even more of a bonus doing it with amazing people and you just think just so well deserving of their success. Just such incredible mm. artists. So yeah, we're very very lucky.
0: Looking to the future. Do you have a, a- a band or a music act that you'd this your dream support or your dream collab.
1: Oh, so many! I actually went to Harry Styles last night.
0: <laughs>
1: Did you? It was crazy. <laughs> I just thought, imagine supporting Harry Styles. I think I would just die and then come back That's to life and then die up again. There, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I don't know. I like we'd all love to support Holly Humberstone, Olivia Rodrigo, Lewis Capaldi. He's coming to Australia. Just There's mm. so many amazing artists coming into Australia now, so it's it's awesome. Dream mm. big.
0: <laughs> you know, aside from those kinds of shows, you've also played some pretty big festivals over the years. Uh, you've done some pretty amazing things. Do you have, like, a career highlight, you know, something that you just did and you had to sit back and think, wow?
1: Oh, oh, definitely playing the festivals. Like, when we got to play yeah. Laneway a few years ago, that was... A massive highlight, just one of those things that you just can't believe you got to do it. So, yeah, I think that was a massive highlight for us. Um, the Ocean Alley Tour, that was just playing sages. That was so cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty hard to choose a highlight.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a few weeks ago on the show, we got the chance to chat to Siobhan Cochin, who's another artist. Oh, I
1: love Siobhan. WA.
0: She just played at Laneway uh, yes. as the Unearthed feature and she mentioned, you know, how nerve-wracking it was with, such a uh, what laneway is such a massive festival in Australia. Do did, did you share that uh, experience?
1: Oh yeah, I get so nervous every show we play, even if it's a small <laughs> show. Like I get such I feel like it started on Ocean Alley. I never used to get that nervous, but I think <laughs> because those stages were so big and we hadn't played gigs for a while, I just started getting the worst anxiety before we played shows. And then it's like when you actually start singing and performing, it goes away. But it's just the waiting before. And yeah, yeah, I definitely relate with Siobhan, but she killed it. We were all at Laneway. Oh, she's just, right. nice. She's so amazing. And her drummer is now our session drummer as well.
0: Oh.
1: Ah. Yeah, connections.
0: Everything's connected in Perth. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> the latest track that you put out, our test drive, it's, it's a great track. You know, go listen to it if you haven't already. Oh, Could you talk you. us through this one?
1: Yeah. So this one started as an idea that Sass brought to the band. Mm. Um, Yeah, and we all were instantly like absolutely loved it. Um, It's kind of about feeling misled in a relationship and or like used almost. And I guess it's quite upbeat, summery kind of track. Um, Yeah, and so we took it to a producer called Joel Quartermain and he helped us workshop it a bit. And then we worked on it with some more with Constantine Kersing, which was just such a good experience.
0: Now, that's Joel Quarterman from Eskimo Joe, isn't
1: it? That is it, yes. Yeah.
0: What what was working with a big name like that? Like?
1: Oh, so good. We've worked with Joel on most of our tracks, actually. So, right, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's just got the best ear for a hook or to, you know, just make the song really catchy. He's got the best pop ear. So, yeah, he's mm-hmm. awesome.
0: Now, you mentioned Weird test drive that has brought that one to you guys is that always how it works do you guys have a specific process or is it you know does it change with, their track, with I, each track?
1: I feel like it's quite it changes quite a lot between track to track but usually yeah. we'll start with somebody bringing in a like a pretty fully formed idea whether it's like the whole song or the chorus or a riff or something like that and then we'll all work on it together as a band just to kind of refine it and then it gets even more refined in when it comes to producing it. And, yeah, so it kind of just goes through a few levels of refinement, I guess.
0: Hmm. How and long does that process usually take?
1: I don't know. I feel like sometimes it can be really quick in the songwriting aspect, aspect. Like we could be working on a song and it will just come super fast, but then other times you're just sitting on the idea for a, a few months or maybe it's in the vault for like a year and you revisit it and work on it again. Um, but I guess from the time that a song is written to a time that it comes out can generally be quite a long time if you've got like a song that's been added to rotation, then you kind of wait till that's finished up and then you can put out another one so you might have songs in a bank for a while. But, yeah, it kind of changes from song to song, I find.
0: So looking to the future a bit, what's next for Dulcey?
1: Oh, I feel like definitely more music. We're in the process <laughs> of um, trying to record a bit of an acoustic EP and put out a few, like, kind of B-side tracks which show a different side to us with more of the harmonies and acoustic style that we do. And then, yeah, a few more singles. We're planning to tour over East probably the middle of the year, which is going to be here any day now. It's already February. Um <laughs> So oh, yeah, so just more touring and more music and hopefully more opportunities that will come our way that we're not yet aware of. So just mm. putting it out there.
0: And like, you know, uh, in your in your wildest dreams, what's success look like for the band? Is there a holy grail or something that, you know, you would chase forever?
1: Oh, well, I feel like we're all just super, super stoked to where how mm. far we've come, like It's been amazing, such an amazing journey. But I think that for us to get to a point where we can focus solely on music as our career and at the moment we all have other jobs and stuff like that, which can kind of be a distraction, I guess, from just pursuing music. But to get to a point where we could tour overseas or support ourselves through the band and that would just be the next level, I guess. But, yeah. I don't
0: know. You make make a good point there, you know, having music as a career can be super tough, you know, especially look at the last few years and how they've been so tough on live artists. Uh, How how has that process, what's that process been like for you actually trying to, you know, make music your full professional career?
1: Oh, it can have its challenges for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think because we don't rely on the band you know for support in our own lives I guess it's at least definitely a labor of love like we do it because we're so passionate about it but through COVID it was pretty tricky because things are just getting postponed constantly and it's just like always in anticipation of something but no I think that when you love something it's it's easy to make time for it so yeah I think we'll always be pursuing that and hoping for the best and I guess Any success that comes is just an added bonus. You know, we've all got jobs that we don't mind doing and lives outside of the band that keep us going. So, yeah, I guess just got to stick to the positives and just try right out the negatives. You know, when you get into that like bad headspace or something like that, you just got to think of all the reasons why why you started in the first place. Mm,
0: Of course. So, you're a few years into the Dulcie journey now. uh, I think it's about five odd years. Uh, any reflections you have anything you might have done differently
1: um oh that's a good question I I feel like I've learned so much from being in the band like I think that being at Whopper was amazing it really set us up but then we actually start doing music for yourself and gigging and getting into the scene you just learn so much about kind of all the other things that come along like the business side of things and everything but I think that the most important thing is just to, like, back yourself and just to put yourself out there, try not to be too much of a perfectionist and, you know, yeah, just put out your music and hope that it connects with people and just enjoy every moment that you have because I feel like, you know, in 50 years' time, I'll look back on these years and, like, think they are some of the best years of my life. So just, yeah, taking it all in. Of
0: course. Now, you might have actually just answered my next question there. Um, The (laughs) final question, something we do ask everyone here on the show, 15-year-old self is sitting right in front of you.
1: What advice
0: are you going to give them?
1: Oh, what advice (laughs) do I give my 15-year-old self? I feel like 15-year-olds these days are super cool. Like my (laughs) 15-year-old self was (laughs) definitely not like the TikTokers we see these days. (laughs) I would just say to just be yourself, be authentic to you. And, you know, I feel like when I was 15, I was, you know, I was still like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do outside of school. After I finished school, you have all these other pressures on you and I don't know, I think just being true to what your passions are and giving it a go, not caring what people think is probably just the most important thing.
0: Can't say it any better than that. <laughs> uh, that just about wraps us up here for how did I get here today? Before I do let you go, uh, Ash, where can we find you and Dulcie?
1: You can find us at music on yeah. Instagram and then just Dulcie on Spotify and all those kinds of things.
0: And is there any upcoming shows that we, we need to be aware about?
1: Oh, there is, but I don't think they've been announced yet. So oh, keep okay. an eye on um, the socials.
0: <laughs> watch this space.
1: <laughs> watch this space. Yeah.
0: Uh, that wraps it up for How Did I Get Here Today. You can find us, student underscore edge on Instagram, student edge one word on TikTok, search so us up student edge or how did I get here on YouTube and head to studentedge.org for all our articles, podcasts, deals, competitions, career tips, education advice and much, much more. Ash, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me.